All right, good morning, y'all. Ooh. Y'all are fewer, so you have to be louder. Good morning, y'all. Much better. Thank you. Hey, my name is Steve. I am the lead pastor here. And um, welcome. Uh, I want to let you know that um, starting next week, we're starting our summer sermon series. Uh, a lot of S's there. Um, and uh, we're going to be looking at the parables of Christ. It's called Parables, Stories of Comfort and Conviction. So we're going to spend the summer just kind of going through uh, the parables that Jesus uh, spoke uh, and unpacking them. Um, should be fun. We're going to start next week, I think. I'll be launching it, but uh, I, I know that. But, but I'll, I'm planning on doing uh, the, the parable known as the, uh, the prodigal son, the one Tim Keller calls the prodigal God. Uh, I love that one. Love it. I am looking forward to digging into it. It is a parable of deep comfort, and it's got uh, a very healthy dose of conviction. So that's perfect because the series is called uh, Stories of, of Comfort and Conviction. So uh, join us next week as we launch that, that new series. All right. Um, today we're going to be wrapping up our series on elders, and I want to remind you that uh, we're encouraging you to share your questions or your comments with us. Of course, you can do it on the response cards that are, that are uh, in the seatbacks in front of you. We have response boxes uh, that you can drop those in, but we know that often when we're teaching, opening up the Word, wrestling with things, um, questions pop into your minds, thoughts, and, um, and, and, and it's like, man, I, I want to answer this, but but by the time you get around to thinking about it, you forget what it even was. You might even forget you even had the thought or question. And so this gives you the opportunity to just kind of fire it off, right? So if you type this phone number into your phone, you'll have it, okay? Give it a title, something you'll remember, like, like Trailhead Questions or Steve is Cool or something like that. And, and then you just have to type it in. The number comes up. And, and when you have the question, you can just uh, send it in. Of course, you can also leave us a voicemail. Don't do that during the service. That would be awkward. Um, you can also send us an email at questions at Trailhead Online. Um, I am compiling those questions. We're still wrestling with how best to answer them, but I'm loving it. We're getting some great questions, some good comments. Um, we've talked about doing a forum on specific topics. I may end up doing um, a series of, of just responses uh, because the questions really are fairly broad uh, in their nature, and so we may group them together and, and uh, potentially... Uh, release some short videos, um, just answering questions you all have. Uh, some of them may come out in sermons if they're central enough to the passage, and I think it would be worth digging into altogether. So, so please um, keep using that, and, and uh, that, that, that helps us. All right, over the last four weeks, we've been digging into this idea of eldership, of church leadership. Um, and, uh, and, and the week one, we looked at 1 Timothy 3.1, uh, where it says it's a good thing um, uh, to desire the office of an overseer. It is a, it is a noble desire. Um, and, and we talked about how that's a good translation. It is a right translation, but, but it can be misleading because originally in, in the Greek it says it is, a, it is a good thing to desire overseership-ing, right? Which I think is better translated, it is a good thing to desire the work of an overseer. It is a good thing to desire um, the labor of an overseer. That's a noble desire, right? To love Jesus so much that you want to lay down your life for the good of His church. That, that you have so responded to the gospel that, that you're so grateful for the price Christ paid for your forgiveness, right? So that you could be redeemed and restored, that you want to then lay down your rights and submit yourself for the good of the body, right? That is a noble desire, 
right? It's not about an office. It's not about it's a good thing to want a position. It's a good thing to want a title. It's what, that, that's a misleading approach. It's, it's a good thing to desire a labor, right? Because it's in that labor that we find the fulfillment. It's in that labor that we find um, our desire fulfilled. It's the labor of love, right? Loving the church and then laying down our lives in love um, for the good of the church. We then looked at the three titles used for elders in the New Testament. They're, they're, they're the same group, um, but they have three different titles throughout the New Testament, like three different facets of a diamond. It's the same diamond. It's just a different way of looking at it. And we saw, first of all, they're called overseers. And we saw that overseers love by leading, right? An overseer is one who, who um, the metaphor we used is, is on the dance floor of community, they're in community. They're part of the church, right? They, they are in, in community of knowing and being known, loving and being loved, of learning how to be vulnerable and invite people in to be seen and to known, even as they see and know others. They make mistakes. They have to repent of those mistakes. Sometimes they sin against people and have to own that, right? It's, it's the messiness of life. They're on the dance floor of everyone kind of stumbling in grace toward maturity, right? They're, they're part of that process, but simultaneously they have to get into the balcony, where they can see the dance, they can oversee the health of the entire environment, right? They can see if anybody's being left out or if anybody's being hurt or if anybody is, is if, if, if we're just getting on the wrong beat and, and dancing to the wrong tune, right? It's, you have to be able to be in it and over it, right? Overseers love by leading. And the next week we saw that shepherds um, lead by loving. We, we looked at 1 Peter 5 and, and Peter exhorts the elders, um, to, to submit themselves to the needs of the sheep, right? He, he, he exhorts the elders, don't, don't lead out of obligation. Don't lead because you want platform. Don't lead because you like to have a position. Don't lead for dishonest gain. Don't, don't lead. Don't, don't do that, right? Submit yourself genuinely in love to the needs of the sheep because love always calls for submission. We have to submit ourselves, and we will gladly submit ourselves to what we love. Right? We will, because it's in submitting ourselves we're able to accomplish something greater than ourselves. Love calls us out of ourselves. He says, in love, elders, shepherds, lead by loving. And then last week we looked at Acts chapter 20, and we saw that elders guard through wisdom. Right? In Acts chapter 20, Paul met with the elders of Ephesus. It was his last meeting with his, his beloved team of leaders, this church that he loved, and and he said to them, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock of God. Right? Pay careful attention to yourselves because you are sheep among the flock. And then all the flock of God, everybody who is in this, this beautiful group. Because, because the Holy Spirit is the one who made you overseers, right? And God himself purchased this people with his own blood through the, the death and resurrection of Christ, right? And... and, and and, and, and Paul says, I warn you that once I leave, man, wolves are going to come in. They're not, they're not going to spare the flock, right? So you have the, the chaos of, of just immature people trying to grow within, but you've got the external threat of the wolves trying to come from without. And, and, and make it even worse, you, you'll have some of your own rise up and with twisted words seek to pull away disciples after themselves. So pay careful attention, he says. Stay awake, right? Elders guard through wisdom. So, 
as we come to the conclusion of the series, um, my goal was, was kind of threefold. One was to open up this, 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 this doctrinal teaching of eldership. It's, a, it's something that often is the, the hidden structure behind the facade, right? It's, it's there, um, and, it, and, it, and it brings strength to the community, but, but often um, a lot of people don't even know who elders are, what they're supposed to do. And so I wanted to, I wanted to expose that, right? Who are they? What are they supposed to do? What are their qualifications? Um, and, and how do we go through the process of recognizing them? Um, so I wanted us to become aware of, of our ecclesiology, our, our, our understanding of the structure of the church, right? I also wanted to call us as a body to be more mindful of our need to pray for our elders, right? That, that every community thrives with elders who love, right? Organizations, things rise or fall with the quality of leadership, with people who are willing to invest themselves, lay down their lives for the thriving of, of this thing that they love, this thing that everyone benefits from, right? Leaders, leaders lay down their lives, and we need to be, as, as members of the body, we need to be reminded on a regular basis to be grateful and to be praying, right? To be lifting up our elders, to be giving thanks for our elders, but also to be praying that God would raise up new elders, right? Because as we're a growing and expanding community, we need a growing and expanding body of elders who are going to help lead it. Um, and so, healthy elders. Healthy elders are essential for a healthy church. That's, that's the bottom line. Um, this is why Paul instructs Titus to appoint elders, our verse in, in 1 Titus 1.5. This is why I left you in Crete. Paul's telling Titus, right? Crete's an island, and, 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 and Titus and, and Paul had, had done church planting work where they shared the gospel. People became believers in different communities. Um, you plant the gospel, and a church grows, right? A church is just a collection of believers, right? Ecclesia is the Greek word. It means they called out people of God. It's not the building. It's the people, right? So they preached the gospel, people believed, and churches formed, right? And, and now Paul is telling Titus, it's time, right? We, we planted the gospel, then we went around and we supported the work of the gospel, right? We, we helped encourage them and strengthen them. We taught them. We, we helped them grow and mature in their faith, and the time has come to go into each of those local communities, each of those local churches, and to recognize that God has appointed elders to help them identify, raise up, and install elders in each of those churches. Paul says this is what we need to do, right? You need to, he words it interestingly, he says, so that you might put what remained in order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you, that you might, you might fix what was lacking. In other words, this is a necessary stage in church maturity. Like, like as a church grows from, from just being an organic, immature movement, which is beautiful and wonderful as like every stage is, it has to grow into its own maturity. And, and one of the necessary stages of church maturity is the recognition and installation of elders. Um, for this church to be, for these churches to be what they were meant to be, each local church needed to have local elders. And then he gives a list of character qualifications in uh, Titus 1 that is almost identical to the list in 1 Timothy 3. We've already looked at that list. We spent some time talking about it. It is interesting that that list is all about character. Uh, it's not a list of competencies, right? They need to be able to do these things well, or they need to accomplish these things, or they need to have this kind of resume, right? It's not, it's not these are people that, that are respected in the business world. It's not, no, it's, it's a list of character qualities. Competencies can be trained. People can learn how to do things, Character. Character has to be formed over time through suffering, through a series of wise choices. Character takes time. It must be formed through suffering. 
through a series of wise choices. So Paul says, look for the character, right? Look for the character. Look for those that are, that are going deep in humility and growing strong in grace. Look for guys that are rooted in their understanding of the substitutionary atonement of Christ, that they know Jesus died for them and rose again for them. That's their identity. That's their strength. That's their hope. That's, that's, their, that's what makes them significant or important. Not because they're big, but because Jesus is big. Not because they're important, because Jesus is important. Not because people love them, but because Jesus loves them. Find guys that have gone deep in this profound truth of the love of God manifest in Christ, died and raised again, and then growing in the fruit of that in their lives, that they are pushing out in obedience and transformation, that they're growing in grace, learning how to, to be humble in confession and, and quick to forgive and, 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 and laying down their lives in, in, in the, for the good of others. Find guys of character. Find guys of character. Go back to these churches. Help them identify and set in place elders and ordain and commend them. Raise them up. Um, so... Trailhead. Um, I didn't come to Jesus through the church. I came to the church through Jesus, if that makes sense. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I wasn't raised in the Christian subculture. I didn't go to Christian camps. Um, that was a foreign world to me, right? I was, I was raised Jehovah's Witness until my parents split, and then we were disfellowshipped, and then we were kind of nothing. And, uh, and then, um, you know, my mom started going to a Baptist church and, you know, I hung around on the outskirts, but um, I, was a, I was a teenager, um, wild and determined for trouble. And, um, and to help me out, my mom put me in my last two, two years of high school, put me into a Christian school down at San Diego, and uh, it was a horrible experience, to tell you the truth. Um, it was a, uh, a very strict Baptist environment. And, uh, and I didn't fit the mold. This was the late 80s. Uh, I didn't have a Baptist haircut. Um, I rode a skateboard. Um, I had bumper stickers on my car that were not uh, conservative enough for the parking lot I was parking in. Um, it, I just got into trouble and I ruffled feathers. I asked questions. Uh, and I was really good at asking hard questions, not because I'm, well, I mean, there was, there was an intellectual curiosity. There was a wrestling for sure. But honestly, I was also just a hurt kid. And hurt kids tend to provoke. They just kind of lash out. And, 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 and it's testing. That's part of me is I'll test to find out if somebody actually cares. And so in this environment, man, I'm just, I'm, I learn how to ask the questions that get under people's skin. I learn how to, and as a result of that two years, honestly, I get alienated. Um, I get shifted to the outskirts. Um, I didn't like Christians. Christians were not very attractive to me. Um, they were judgmental, controlling, and um, I had a really bad perception. And as a result, I didn't like the church. I really didn't like the church, but I couldn't get away from my fascination with Jesus. Like, there was just something about the story of Jesus that gripped me. There was something like, man, I just, there was a piece of me that knew there's something real here. Even if the rest of this plastic facade stuff is, is that can go away, but, but there's something real here, and, and through a serendipitous series of events, which just means God was in control, um, I end up my freshman year 3,000 miles away from home um, in Iowa, out of California, at a Bible college of all things that I had to lie to, to in order to get into. And, um, and one night, uh, I decide to read the book of Hebrews. And as I read the book of Hebrews that night, man, my heart is broken. 
my heart is broken. I just know Jesus is better, better than any other hope I could have, better than any other. He's better. He's better. And so I just fell in love with Jesus, and then I fell in love with his word, and I started studying. I mean, devouring. What a great place to become a believer, a Bible college. Um, you know, and so I have two years there where I'm just like, I'm, I'm a freshman taking senior-level theology courses, and um, I'm just devouring it. And, um, and I came to see that, that I couldn't love Jesus without also loving his bride, that I, that I couldn't claim the forgiveness of Christ and then despise others who also needed the forgiveness of Christ. Like I came to see that how ridiculously hypocritical it would be for me to, to be like, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, I love Jesus, and then look at a bunch of Christians and, and despise them and call them hypocrites and somehow separate myself as if I were not also a beggar simply in need of the bread of grace. And so I, I came to see that it was vital, absolutely vital that I devote my energy not just to the study of the Word of God, but to the good of his church. And, um, and as I studied, I remember, man, I was probably 19 as I was, 18, 19, as I was, I was um, you know, reading through the Bible from cover to cover for the first time. And, um, and, and when I came to the New Testament and I was seeing the formation of the church, I saw something really striking. I saw that the church structure laid out in the New Testament was remarkably simple. It was, it was beautifully organic. But at, at the time that I became a believer in the circles I was in, I didn't see it. I didn't see that pattern followed very often. I didn't see it played out in real life. That you would have local elders who are raised up through the discipleship structure of that local church. That, that in other words, the church had to be healthy enough to produce its own elders. The, the church had to build a culture and a character that it took people who were by nature prideful and rebellious and lead them to a place where they discovered humility and the joy of, of forgiveness, of forgiving and being forgiven, of engaging the Word of God and, and being curious about His nature, but also humble enough to learn about our own brokenness so that we could, we could repent and be changed and grow. And, and, and local elders grew out of the local church. That's how it was done. And, and, and it was the model. Like, that's what we do. We plant the gospel. All of these messy unbelievers become believers. And then we help them grow in grace. We help them grow in knowledge. We help them grow in faith. And out of that, the Holy Spirit will raise up some who have the character to, and the calling. There are many who have the character. Not everyone who has the character necessarily has calling. And, and there will be some who are brought into leadership. That was striking to me because most of the circles I was in at that point, um, the churches were looking for professionals from the outside that they could hire in to lead on the inside, right? We need to go get somebody with credentials. We need to go get somebody with, with the seminary degrees. We need to go get somebody with, with the, the pedigrees, the, you know, and, and the idea was that they would be hired in to do the work um, so that, you know, we could be fed and we could grow and, and we could get our tanks filled from week to week and, and go through life. And... Um, and I don't want to belittle that because I have friends who have walked that path, who have gone through seminary and then were called to a church that they didn't know and, and they didn't plant and they didn't, you know, but they, they loved those people. And I, there, are, there are pastors out there that I admire greatly. And, and so I'm not saying that, that, that God isn't working through that system, but I grew in the conviction that this was the system I wanted to model and follow. 
because it was the system I saw in the New Testament. They didn't go out and hire professionals and bring them in. They built a culture that was healthy enough to raise the leaders they needed, that people would grow into maturity, that, that, that people would, would not simply talk about their ideals, but would actually push into the hard stuff of growing. See, when we hire professionals from the outside, I think it takes weight off those that should bear it. It robs the church of the ownership of the discipleship process it should own. We should be raising up our own leaders at every level, not just elders, but at every level. Um, so when I launched Trailhead in 2011, I was, I, was, I was determined to walk this path. I was the only pastor. I, I had been ordained and sent out by the journey to plant the church, and um, I had two other uh, regional pastors on the board with me, John Ryan, who was the pastor of Summit Church up in North County, Bob Bickford, who was the uh, pastor of um, the Groves Church down in Webster Groves, and, and they were my elder team. They, they made decisions with me. They voted with me. They, they helped approve the budget. They gave me wisdom when I needed it. They gave me coaching. They also gave me correction. Um, they, they helped hold me accountable, but also they encouraged me and strengthened me. But we did it with the conviction that this was a temporary board, that this was not a permanent structure, um, that this church would be led by leaders that God raised up from within. And over the next eight years, um, we've seen three waves of eldership processes where we have um, prayed and seen God raise up elders for the church. All right, so at this point in the sermon, I just need to let you know things are going to get a little weird. Um, we're going to jump the rails a bit. Uh, and, and if you're a visitor, like a first-time visitor or a guest with us, uh, man, I'm so glad you're here. Um, I'm going to let you know this gets a little, this is not what we do every week. Um, and, uh, you know, normally we get up here and I open up the Bible and, and we open up the Word and, and, you know, my sermons are, I don't know, both a hug and a punch in the gut, at least I hope they are, and, and that you leave both encouraged and challenged. Um, today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I, I have been asked... Over the course of this series, Steve, who are our elders? We've spent all this time talking about our elders. You're casting vision. You're describing them. You're, you're talking about them and, and, and who are our elders. And so I want to introduce them to you. I'm going to ask them to come up. You guys come on up. And uh, so I'm going to bring them up on stage. And, um, and as they're coming up, um, I'm actually going to come down. Sorry, it gets weirder. Um, and this is intentional because... Um, Right now, as I'm speaking, while I am one of the elders, um, I am also one of the sheep. And, and, and these men aren't just elders over the church, they're, they're elders over me. I am a sheep, and I have benefited deeply from their eldership. And, um, and so I'm taking my rightful position um, out here. Uh, with you guys. I want to put a verse up on the screen. Um, and this is uh, Hebrews 13, 7. So just so you know, in the first service, I, I told these guys, um, and so if, if you feel like they're making weird eye contact, it's because I told them to. Um, I told these guys, don't stare at your feet awkwardly during this. Like, actually look out at the congregation, make eye contact with the people, um, which if you're not used to being up front and speaking, and, and in fact, if you're just standing there and not speaking, it can be kind of weird. Uh, but I'm going to ask you in response, Rich, take off your sunglasses. Um, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to ask you guys in response. Um, you can put them back on. That's fine. Uh, don't be looking at your feet, right? Give them the gift of your presence. 
right? I know it can be awkward to make eye contact when you're not talking and they're not talking, but, but see them, right? And in seeing them, communicate to them um, that you acknowledge them, right? And so, yeah, here we go. I, I love this. I get to make awkward spaces. Um, but I want to I start us off with Hebrews 13.7, y'all. Um, her, Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God, consider the outcome of the way of their life and imitate their faith. Remember your leaders. It's hard to remember people you don't know. So I, I just thought it was important, first of all, to get these guys up here um, so that you can see them, so that their faces are there. But I also want to give them a chance to introduce themselves to us. We'll do that in a moment. But the word remember here means a whole lot more than just... Um, you know, remember a set of facts or remember a face, right? It, it means to hold dear. It, it means to hold with, with um, a, an affection. It means to hold with a conviction, right? So when we say remember the Alamo, which I never say, um, that's a bad example, but it, it means more than just remember the facts of the Alamo, right? It, much more would be like 9-11 for us. That's our generation. Remember 9-11. It doesn't just mean remember the facts of the event. It means Hold what happened there close to your heart, right? The people who died lost their lives, right? It's, 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 it's meant to be something that is, that is emotive and connected and, and not just an intellectual thing, right? Remember your leaders, um, the, the author of Hebrews tells us, Barnabas tells us, right? Um, remember your leaders, those who spoke the Word of God to you, those who, who, who wrestled with the Word of God and, and, and then said, man, this is how you grow in it. This is how you move forward in it. This is how you prosper in it. This is how you find the fullness of life in it. Those who, who spoke to you the Word of God consider the outcome of their way of life. I'm going to encourage you guys to watch them, to imitate them. Watch the way they, 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 they handle themselves. Watch the way they move in and out of conflict. Watch the way they relate to their families and to their community. Watch them. Now, that's not to say that everything they do is perfect and you should follow them in everything they do. They're going to make mistakes like everybody else. They're, they're at times going to have a short temper. They're, they're going to at times be tired and grumpy. They, they might be short. They, they may, in fact, sin against others, right? They're, they're broken people being remade in grace. And so we don't imitate everything we see. What do we imitate? We imitate their faith. Imitate the way they follow Christ, because these are guys who, over a long period of time, through the pressure of suffering and trials, have made a series of wise choices that has developed within them a character worth imitating, a faith worth replicating. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the Word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. These are guys that are sacrificing, wrestling, investing their time, their resources, their, their energy, their, their freedom. They're submitting themselves to the needs of the flock. Why? So that the flock can prosper. So that the church of Christ can grow in the glory of Christ, so that we can experience more joy, more freedom, more power in our walks in Christ. Remember your leaders so you can imitate 
their faith. All right, I want to take a little bit of time and have these guys introduce themselves um, to you. There are two that are, that are absent. Um, we'll, uh, we'll talk about them at the appropriate time, but I want to introduce them actually in the order. There were three elder processes, and, and I want to introduce you to them in the orders that they were um, uh, installed as, as elders. Um, the first elder process began in 2012. The church launched in 2010. We, we actually began the work in 2008. Um, and so there were, you know, three years of prep work before we, we launched the church in 2011. Uh, and then in 2012, um, four years in, really, uh, we began our first elder process. Um, we opened it up to self-nomination. It was an exciting season. There were no, I was the only local elder, and so it was like a blank slate. We didn't know what we were going to end up with. We actually had 18 people self-nominate that year. Um, I had 18 conversations um, with guys, and, uh, and some of the, they were great. Um, I got to encourage their faith. We got to pray. We got to consider whether or not God was calling them into the process. Um, and out of that, we invited three guys into the process. Um, and, uh, and Dan, uh, Dan Free, Clint Maple, uh, were, were installed out of that. Skip, uh, my buddy, was, uh, was the third. And, um, and he went through the, the entire process um, with dignity, with honor. Um, and at the end of it, came to us and said, I'm really struggling with this idea of calling. I'm not sure that I'm called to bear this weight at this time. And, and we're like, all right. That's, that's part of God's work, right? And, um, and so we honored that. We honored his time. We honored his investment. We celebrated that. And, uh, and then moving forward, we ended up installing um, Dan and Clint. And, um, and so I'm going to have Dan and uh, Clint go ahead and introduce themselves. And you both have mics, so we'll see who goes first. Oh, no, not that Clint. <laughs> There, that one. Okay. All right, I'm up. So, son. I'm Clint Maple. Uh, hello. My wife, Cassie, next to me. Uh, my children from the right, Caitlin's nine. Mallory will be seven in a couple weeks. And Benjamin is five. Um, my day job, praise God, has changed in the past couple weeks. Um, some of you know that uh, my previous job was relocating, and I um, was looking for a new opportunity. So, God provided a new career path for me, so I've, I've moved from agricultural research to medical devices. So I'm a project manager uh, working locally here now. So thankful for that opportunity. Um, here at Trailhead, the way I've served as an elder uh, in past years is uh, treasure. So initially started years ago counting the offering and depositing it and taking care of the books and um, making a lot of mistakes, but also stumbling forward and, and trying to build a team that um, would do things well and, and shepherd the church well. So uh, I've actually been on sabbatical since July of 2017. Um, was hoping to step back in to eldership about a year ago, and then things started changing with my job, so decided to, to extend that sabbatical. So looking forward to the opportunity of, of joining back up here pretty soon. So, um, so Steve gave us a couple questions to answer. Mm -hmm. Um, one, one is, what am I most thankful for? Um, one, of the most th one of the things I'm most thankful for is a fellow elder without a beard. So yeah. uh, I don't know, if, <laughs> don't know if, if it's just we're both stubborn or what, but um, I'm thankful I'm not the only one. So, 
Um, no, seriously, thankful for the teaching. I think that's the, the first thing that came to mind is uh, Steve's teaching uh, and Joe and uh, Aaron as well. Just the, the gift of teaching the truth from the Bible every week and sitting under that and, and growing in that and being discipled in that. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, the other thing I'm thankful for is community. Uh, the community here, if you've been around for a while, you know. If not, stick around and, and hope you are blessed by it. But the community here is, is amazing. Um, people that we get to know, pastors, people in community groups, friends that love us, care for us, uh, shepherd us, guide us, cry with us, celebrate with us. It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a picture of, of God uh, and the church, and I'm thankful for that here at Trailhead. So, uh, what else? What are the other pray. questions? How can we pray for you? So you can pray with, with me and with my family. One, celebrate with us a, pray, a prayer of thanksgiving that, we're, um, that I have a new job and that we're able to stay here. We're thankful for that. Uh, also pray for us um, that our family, that I would lead Cassie and lead my kids well, uh, and shepherd them in, in, in hearing the gospel every day, uh, whether that's here at church or in community group or uh, just amongst our family, that we would hear the gospel, we would respond to it, uh, just like Deuteronomy 6 says, just, just the way that we hear the gospel every day and live it out, and not only in our family, but also in our community. So please pray with us that we uh, take the gospel to our neighborhood, to our neighbors, to our friends, to our family, to our coworkers. Um, it's a gift of grace, and we, we hope that we can live in it and, and share it as well. So. Thank you. Let's honor. Thank you, Clint. All right, Dan. All right, so my name is Dan Free, and uh, that's my wonderful wife, Julie, my better mm -hmm. half. And uh, Julie and I have been married uh, for just short of one month, and uh, so that's yes. new, new for me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so uh, I am the director of care and counseling here at Trailhead Church, so I uh, have two jobs. Uh, I am part-time staff uh, here at the church, and then uh, there's some overlap with my other part-time job. Uh, I am a part-time professional counselor uh, with Pathways Counseling, who uh, we have an office here at, at Trailhead Church. And so uh, for quite a while, part of our desire uh, has been uh, to be able to provide gospel-centered counseling to care for mental health needs and relational needs uh, in our community and spiritual needs in our community. And so uh, we're starting to see that um, come to fruition. We've been able to, to be a part of doing that with our partnership uh, with Pathways. And that was uh, a quite, uh, quite a journey. Um, that wasn't part of, of my plan when I first started coming to Trailhead, um, but uh, some work that God was doing uh, led me down that, that path to leave my prior job uh, in the corporate world and uh, to pursue ministry and to pursue uh, becoming a counselor. And so uh, Steve sent us some questions that we needed to, he asked us to respond to today. And so the one that I had been thinking about is, uh, what am I most thankful for uh, here at Trailhead? And so uh, that involves part of, of my story and how I came uh, to Trailhead. So I started coming way back in 2007 before it was uh, actually Trailhead Church. And uh, I was at a dark spot uh, in my life. I had walked away. I'd grown up in church, but I'd walked away from the faith um, and started uh, checking out the church again. And uh, there was a lot of, even though I grew up in the church, uh, a lot of misunderstandings uh, that I had about the gospel 
and um, what Christ has done for me. And Trailhead uh, played a, a pivotal role. And so I was thankful that for the centrality of the gospel uh, that is continuously presented here that helped me to understand forgiveness, for me to be challenged uh, in the midst of, of my brokenness, in the midst of my sin, uh, but also encouraged and to know that I was fully loved and accepted, that that played out in the form of, of human relationship, those people, those places that I didn't understand God's grace and God's mercy. Uh, it was demonstrated to me through the people here at Trailhead that I wasn't rejected because of my sin, because of my brokenness. And so that, that changed me. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the gospel uh, playing out uh, here at Trailhead that had a tremendous impact on me. So I'm incredibly thankful uh, for that and for the relationships here. Um, as far as uh, how uh, you guys can be praying for me, uh, a couple things. So one, um, so my counseling journey began back in 2012 when I went uh, went to grad school to become a counselor. And uh, this summer is kind of one of the last uh, big hurdles for me uh, becoming a counselor, my process of state licensure. And uh, so I've got a, a big exam coming up this summer. And uh, so if you guys would just be praying for that, that I'm able to... to navigate that well and um, to pass that that exam. Uh, be grateful for that. Uh, and then secondly, um, so when I first came on as an elder, I was, I was a single man. And so now being married, uh, I just want to make sure that, um, that I'm a, hu- a good husband uh, and Christ follower before I'm an elder. Um, and so I want to navigate that change well um, and, uh, and to not neglect either. And so if you guys would pray for that, that would be awesome. Thank you. Let's show appreciation. So when, uh, when Dan, Clint, and, and Skip were going through the process, there was no process. Um, it was just me. I had spent many years sitting in the office, every once on the phone with, with John and, and Bob talking about stuff. So we kind of had to create it from the ground up. That was, uh, I'm so thankful for these guys. They didn't like hit the eject button right off the bat. Cause I'm like, hey, I'm gonna invite you into this process. And then I'm like, here's this giant whiteboard filled with all this stuff. We'll let, we're gonna have to just figure out if, if this works. Um, and, uh, and it has, it has. Um, you guys helped uh, lay a foundation um, that has become really the, the pattern that uh, our, our entire elder process has continued to follow. And, um, and honestly, at the heart of it is the character that you guys built out of. Um, so I'm incredibly thankful for you two um, and for what you've done. Uh, a lot of you guys don't know, those early years of church planting were incredibly hard. And uh, there were moments that um, I almost went off the, off the side, and uh, these guys were the guardrails. So, I mean, they, they uh, made sure they were to encourage me, um, to exhort me, to challenge me. Um, and uh, to make sure that there were resources available for uh, things I needed, like pastoral cohorts and, and other things like that that were just a lifeblood to me in that season. Um, but they loved me. And, uh, man, I, I can't tell you uh, what a gift uh, these guys have been. Um, about a year after they were installed, um, we decided to start the process again. The church was growing, and we knew that we needed more elders. And so we put out a, um, um, another invitation, and, um, and out of that we had uh, Kevin and, uh, and Den, who's not here this morning. I'll tell you about Den in a moment. And we actually had Aaron Parks as well go through that time. Um, Aaron was, uh, was getting ready to plant a church. And so um, that was 
Man, what year? That was 2015, 2016. Is that right? Um, and so, yeah, about four years ago now. So, Kevin, let, let's go ahead and have you introduce yourself. Yeah, so uh, my name's Kevin. I'm uh, the other more well-kept elder. <laughs> I mean, if you can't manage your own face, how, how can you manage a household or a church? Right? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> that's, uh, that's what I always say. Anyway, uh, this is my amazing, beautiful family. This is my beautiful wife, Meg. Uh, we've been married for five years, and our two amazing boys, uh, James, who is three, and Ryan, who is one. And uh, I currently work as a grain farmer. I run a family grain farm uh, operation here north, north of town, and as just a life goal for me to be able to take that over uh, at some point. And so I'm blessed to be able to do that. I've been uh, doing that full-time now for about six years, seven years. Um, uh, in a previous life, I was an Army logistics officer, and so I, I did that for about 10 years, kind of moved around and did uh, many different things, but uh, happy to be back here in the Midwest, uh, at home, uh, and really in this church. This is a church that's been an answer uh, to prayer uh, for me um, way before I even showed up. So uh, I've been here for about 10 years. I started coming when it was just a small group of people meeting in a side room in another building. Uh, in front of a TV screen, which was really weird. <laughs> and I uh, wasn't so sure I even wanted to be a part of it. But um, the spirit just kind of led me to stay, uh, stay on. And, um, you know, God has obviously blessed this church community uh, in, in many ways. And so uh, one of the questions that Steve proposed that we answer is, what's your vision for Trailhead? And uh, I, I guess it's my hope, uh, first, that we become this multi-generational church, that even long after all of us are gone, that our children's children will be able to come here and hear the grace of God and hear the gospel uh, each and every, preached over them each and every week. And just the blessing, I know that blessing that's been to me, um, and I would just want that uh, for my kids, and, and I'm sure all of you do too. Uh, and with that, I, I hope that uh, God uses Trailhead Church to um, plant other churches throughout our region. I mean, if you look out throughout the, the Metro East and throughout our area, there's many communities that uh, I'm sure are longing for a church like this. And so I hope that God uses Trailhead as, you know, an uh, entity that could hopefully plant uh, in those other communities. So, uh, and finally, how can you pray for us? Um, the word endurance comes to mind. Um, it's written in the book of, of Hebrews. Let us uh, lay aside every weight and sin that could cling so closely and run the race with endurance that's set out before us. And, um, you know, whenever you are investing yourself in a church community, it, it can many times feel like a race. And if you've ever run, run a race, you realize <laughs> sooner or later that you're going to need endurance to do that. And um, Ten I, steps in. What's that? Ten steps in. Yeah, ten steps That's in. For it's, me. It doesn't take very long uh, to realize that you need uh, more than what you have within you. And mm -hmm. so um, I prayed for us and our fam me and our, my family, that uh, we have endurance. I have this mm -hmm. tendency to bite off more than I can chew from time to time. And so whenever we have uh, business and kids and uh, you're overseeing uh, finances of the church, which is my current role as a treasurer, um, it can get wearisome from time to time. Mm -hmm. and, 
uh, when that happens, as you know, when you get tired, you sometimes overlook things or make mistakes. And as an overseer, there's times whenever you, if you overlook something, um, people can get hurt. Mm -hmm. And so we'll just pray against that and pray for us uh, for endurance. It'd be awesome. Amen. So. Amen. Let's. So um, Kevin was installed uh, alongside Den. Uh, Den couldn't be here. Den's family, uh, his kids were all back in town and around. And, and uh, so they had scheduled a camping trip for this weekend. I was like, dude, go go camp. And so I want to introduce you to Den and his family. He submitted some answers to the questions. Um, he said uh, that, that he's been married to Sarah for 25 years, and they have three children, Seth, Jenna, and Leah. Um, I am a projects and service manager for a company that provides commercial access control and video surveillance systems. We've been at Trailhead for six years. And then I asked him to answer one of the questions, and uh, he said, Trailhead is an answer to years of prayer. I longed to not just hear about the Lord doing great things somewhere else, but to actually be part of it. The greatest part of being in leadership is to have a front row seat to see what God is doing. He is the one who is building Trailhead Church, and we are just privileged to get to be part of it. The greatest joys in my life are my family and serving and being part of this church. And then how can we pray for you? He said that God would continue to grow me in the gifts that he has given me, and I would not grow weary. There's that endurance thing again in all the things that he's called me to. I think endurance, we would all amen that one for sure. Um, so Dan and uh, his, his lovely family. I'm sure you guys have met Leah if you've been around very long because she will introduce herself to you for sure. They, they adopted her from China. They, they put themselves on a list about nine years ago. Um, saying that they, they prayed about it and thought, man, God, God's leading us to adopt. And, and so they, they put their name on this list, and that was nine years ago, um, and nothing ever happened. There were a couple false starts, and, um, and then last year, um, they get a call. And it's like, wow, we are not the same family we were eight years ago um, when, when we felt like God was calling us to this. Um, and uh, they flew to China, and they picked up Leah, and uh, man, what, sh what a beautiful little girl she is. Um, but that's, you know, that's their family and um, wonderful testimony of service and love. And then uh, Aaron Parks. Um, Aaron Parks and his family are actually on their way right now to Florida. They also had a family vacation scheduled. And I was like, man, go, go, go. Um, but uh, Aaron's story is a little bit different. I'll, I'll share that with you. But this Aaron says, uh, my name is Aaron Parks. My wife, Joni. Uh, is Joni and my kids are Anna, who's 10, Matthew and Ryan, who are 9, and Whitney, who is 2. I'm a teacher and administrator at Maryville Christian School, and we've been at Trailhead for five years. Um, what are you most thankful for at Trailhead? I feel like Trailhead strives to emulate the characteristic of Jesus being full of grace and truth. The truth of the gospel and God's holiness leads us into grace, both experiencing God's grace through Jesus and displaying that grace to others. It's not a matter of one over the other. It's both working beautifully in the lives of our members and, uh, and how can we pray for you? He says, I'd like everyone to pray that I grow in my experience of grace and that the love of Jesus would overflow in me toward others. Um, so that was our, our graduating class of 2016 um, into eldership. And, um, and again, speaking as a sheep, man, these guys have been an overwhelming blessing to me. Um, and Kevin is, is the model of strength. Um, I mean, he's a farmer, and, um, 
and he's military, right? And, and, and um, he's, he, is, he is a focused, determined, hardworking guy. Um, and what kills me is that every time we pray for somebody, he cries. And, and there have been times that I've come to this group, and I'm like, I desperately need your prayer right now. And Kevin leads out in prayer, and I can hear his voice cracking. Um, that breaks my heart in a good way. It is, that, it is that tough and tender, it is that gentle strength that, um, man, it just, it, it just inspires my heart. And, um, and so I'm incredibly grateful for the way Kevin has shepherded me. Um, Den, I joke with him all the time because Den is the guy every single, well, not every single meeting, but pretty close. Is that in the Bible? Is that biblical? I mean, that literally is his question almost every time. And I love that because he's just passionate about making sure that everything we're pushing for and thinking about flows from Scripture. And he's the guy, man, um, he's out studying me on most topics. So I'm like, hey, we got this thing we need to talk about. And about a week later, he's like, here's my brain dump. And he sends us all this email, it's like 16 pages long, of all the things that he's read, all the things that he's thinking about, all the things. Um, and it really helps me because I'm scattered all over the place by nature. That is my personality and my, the way my brain works. But it helps me. He's like, man, these are the best resources. Go grab these. Dig in. Let's wrestle with this. And he does it because he's passionate about the truth. He's not, he says at one time he was passionate about conflict, that he liked just getting in arguments for argument's sake. But, but I can testify, man, this is a guy that's passionate about the truth. And then Aaron Parks was a guy who showed up honestly using us as a means to an end. And I don't mean that as an insult at all because I actually invite people to do that. Church planters, I'm like, man, come and, and let's train you and let's invest in you and you use us as a means to an end. You're going to go plant another church and, and, and you honor us while you're here and then we will send you out. And Aaron showed up um, as a church planting resident with the passion of planting a church. We sent him out. So he was installed as a trailhead elder. He was an elder at trailhead for maybe 10 seconds um, because we immediately turned around and commissioned him and sent him out to go plant Access Church in Troy. And, uh, and God called him to not only go plant a church, but to fail in the process. And um, I love that. God called him to take a step of faith, take a huge risk, to go invest himself, to go put himself on the battlefield. And then to do it for a year without getting any traction, to keep laboring faithfully, to keep fighting faithfully, to keep preaching the gospel, until God made it clear to him, um, I called you to do this, and now I'm calling you to wrap it up. So he did, faithfully. And he came back to Trailhead and, and um, where a lot of guys would have been tempted to just go hide their head in shame, to maybe go to a different church, to maybe go try to... Man, he came back and we were able to celebrate his bold steps of faith. That he took a great risk and it didn't turn out the way he wanted. Um, but man, what a great privilege to be part of, him, part, of, part of the process with him. And what I love about that is that it was that process, I think it was that process that broke his heart for Trailhead because he fell in love with this church, the community of this church, the elders of this church, the, the, what we're building together in this church. And I could see there was a time when he was using us as a means to an end, and, and, and something shifted beautifully in him where he's like, this is my home. This is my community. I'm here. I'm going to find a job locally. I'm going to invest my life locally. I am here because I love this church. And so he was able to join you guys uh, in that final wave, the, the, not the final, but the last graduating class, um, and actually get installed again, uh, this time actually to stay a trailhead elder. And that leads me to you guys. Um, so then we, we, um, 
Uh, so you guys were 2015, 2016, you guys, 2017, 2018, right? Um, so they went through the process, 2017, were installed in 2018. Um, and, and this is Aaron Newcomb and, and Clint Doherty. And um, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. So my name is Clint Doherty, and my wife is Valerie, and we have a little son named Boaz who is uh, going to be one year old next week. Uh, Valerie and I have been married for seven years, and so we just celebrated that um, just about a week ago. And uh, what I do for work on my day job is I'm a structural engineer, and I work for the Army Corps of Engineers. And what we uh, kind of tell people is that uh, we uh, protect water from people, we protect people uh, from water, and we make water useful. And so what I do is I help to inspect and, and make sure that the structures out there, uh, the locks, the dams, uh, the levees and stuff are safe and people are safe. And so that's kind of what I do in my day job. And uh, one of the questions that Steve had asked us to uh, also was, uh, what are some of the maybe challenges that you faced as you've been here at Trailhead? And, and one of those challenges has been uh, for us as our family was that we uh, went through uh, infertility for uh, the first five years being here and really uh, had to um, dig into community, and we found uh, a, a ton of support and love from Steve, from the elders, from the church, from our, from our community groups. And um, as we walked through that process, uh, it was just an experience of growing in grace and knowing the gospel and um, kind of that discipleship model of the gospel infused us with grace. We were, you know, raised up in gratitude as a response, and then, we you know, we grow as a, as a response to that. And so we're so thankful for that. And um, that's also part of, part of my prayer is that uh, you could continue to just pray that uh, we would continue to grow in grace uh, so that we can love you well. And like Steve shared, uh, Acts 20, 28 says uh, to pay, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Uh, and so we as elders need your prayers so that we ourselves are growing in grace and able to uh, then love others well out of that growth. And so that's uh, my prayer. My name let's, is Aaron. Uh, wait, let's go ahead and... There we go. Thank you. My name is Aaron Newcomb. Um, that's my wife, Holly. We have three boys. Clark is four. Amos is three, and Jay is um, about eight months. Um, I first came to Trailhead whenever it was a church plant, probably 10, nine years ago, something like that. Wasn't super involved, but I came every once in a while. I got to know people. I really enjoyed it. Um, then I moved away for, a couple, for probably four years, and then we've been back for um, five years, and um, we are here to stay. We've been so incredibly blessed by, by Trailhead. Um, my job is I work in St. Louis. Um, at an advertising agency, I set up and launch um, digital campaigns, so all of those banner ads that you see on the websites that seem to follow you from site to site, that's from me, um, or at least some of them are. Um, <laughs> I know, you probably hate them, but um, yeah, that's what I do, I enjoy it, um, but I enjoy following all of you, no, I'm kidding. Um, something that I really hope for Trailhead Church is that we would be a family, that we would um, that we would seek truth together, that we would seek to know each other and know each other well, that this would not be a place to just come, say hi, and then leave. Um, but at the same time, that we would also constantly see the outsiders, see the people that are not here, that we would see our community, that we would know, seek to know them and love them and um, serve them. Um, 
And so I feel like we are doing that, and I'm so encouraged by that, and, and my prayer is that we continue. Um, a way that you can pray for me is um, for wisdom and discernment. As I, as I learn more, as I grow, um, I'm, I constantly realize how little I know. Um, so I ask, for, I ask God for, um, for wisdom, to know how to handle difficult conversations, to know how to love well. Um, and also, prayer for my family. This is a crazy time. We have three little boys that are always running, it feels like. Um, it can be easily, we, we are very easily distracted by that, um, which those are very good things, and we, you know, we love our family um, intensely, but um, we also need to focus on, on other things, and so it can, it, we can very easily become distracted and not focus on what's actually important. Um, so prayer for that, that we can have, um, that we can be intentional, that we can um, really seek to love and serve um, this church. Amen. That's good. Show our appreciation. So these guys came through the most recent elder process. Um, they came through with two other guys, uh, Jay Westra, who, who ended up moving away halfway through. Um, we celebrated him and, and sent him off with honor. And then Joe, who was going through the process. And at the end of it, we decided that uh, it just now wasn't the right time, um, the right season. And uh, so we celebrated him and honored his investment. Um, uh, and then we were able to install uh, Aaron Parks, who was reinstalled, and, um, and Aaron and uh, Clint. Um, these guys are the newest ones on the team, which is kind of fun. Um, it, it's, it's a little, I think the, the, the wide-eyed part is gone. Um, but when they came in, it was clearly like, man, we're, because now we have actually a table, like there's people around it. It's not like the early days where it was just this vague concept. And they're like, what's our place? What's our role? What's our job? How do we fit in? What's the... And they're wrestling with that, and um, I'll tell you, as a, again, a sheep um, being shepherded, um, I have been deeply encouraged, um, Clint with, and Val with those years of, uh, of wrestling with infertility, um, of praying alongside you, calling out to God. Um, you guys modeled the joy that we find in Christ in the midst of suffering to me. And in fact, invited me in to share it with you, um, which is a funny thing because I'm pastoring you, but I'm also being pastored by you in that process as I'm, I'm being pushed into um, embracing my own suffering instead of shoving it away and learning how to find joy that I might find a fellowship of suffering with you guys. And of course, sharing the great joy of Boaz uh, as God responds and blesses. Um, and then Aaron, Aaron with his never-ending questions. Um, I love it. He's always asking the questions that I'm like, are you really going to ask that? And then I'm like, that really needed to be asked. That was, that was helpful. He's always thinking about people. How is this going to impact people? How is this going to help people? How is this going to hurt people? Who is this going to, you know, it's just, it, it is, um, there are times when, uh, I don't know, things start just moving very, very quickly because we're busy and things are happening. And Aaron is always one who calls me back and says, let's never lose sight of all the flock of God. Let's never lose sight of the people we're shepherding. Um, and there's a gentle strength that comes with that. Um, so anyway, I want to express my gratitude to you guys. I want to put one more verse up on the screen, and we're going to close with this. 
Um, this is the bookend to the one we looked at earlier. This is Hebrews 13:17. We looked at Hebrews 13:7 earlier. Hebrews 13:17 says, "Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Obey your leaders and submit to them. There are those words we hate, right? Obey is such a hard word. It's like it's just, and then submit. It's like obey, submit. And, and again, just to add a little bit of understanding, we talked about submit in a previous message, but, but obey, this, this word for obey literally means to be persuaded, right? It, it, it means to offer up your allegiance because you're persuaded that the person leading you is leading for your good. Right, think about your personal trainer. If, if you've ever hired a personal trainer, if you've ever been injured and, and you have a PT who has to come alongside you and help you do exercises and stretches that you absolutely hate, they hurt, right? And you're like, I think you hate me. Um, but you know they don't hate you. They actually care for you and they're helping you grow in ways that are just hard to grow, right? You obey your PT. Why? Because, because you know you are persuaded that they are for you. And I'm here telling you that these, these guys are for you. Right? They, they are deeply aware that their responsibility is to keep watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Um, and the same care they've extended to me, they extend to the entire body. And, and so I invite you to be persuaded that, that the systems they create for your growth and well-being, right? We're not asking you to obey everything. We're not telling you, right? It's, it's how do you grow in Christ? How do you grow in grace? How do you go deeper in joy? How do you discover more freedom? How do you, how do you move into the dignity and nobility that, that God has given you in the gift of the resurrection of Christ? Right? How do you do that? They are keeping watch over your souls. And as we create systems, as we call you to prayer, as we, as we ask you to engage the Word, as we, as we ask you, instead of just saying, man, that's a great idea. I'm glad they said that. There, there's something very different where it comes we say, no, that's actually, I need to obey that. I need to engage that, right? The, the word submit, the Greek word submit, hupeko, is a combination of hupo, which means under, and echo, which means to bring forth. And it means to bring forth action under the authority of another, right? It, it, is, it is a gift that says, I respect, I, I've been persuaded that you're for my good, and so therefore I bring forth action. So when there's a call to prayer, we pray. When there's a call to engage the Word, we engage the Word. When there's a call to, 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 to get in a community, we get in a community group. When there's a call to, you know what I'm saying, like we, we actually engage. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. That would be no advantage to you. <laughs> um, know that these guys love you. Pray for them, encourage them, strengthen them. Give honor to whom honor is due and follow them because they're worthy of being followed. These are men that have won my respect, won my allegiance and won my affection and I will follow them. So you guys, thank you. Let's go ahead and... and All right, I want to uh, wrap us up. I'm going to close us in a word of prayer. Uh, and then I'm going to just give us some space. Instead of response questions, I'm going to give some prompts for prayer. I'm going to ask us to pray for our elders, pray for our church, pray for our community. And, uh, and then um, we're going to share communion together where we get to celebrate our chief shepherd, the one who laid down his life that we might become part of the flock of God. Uh, let me pray for us. Father, uh, I thank you um, that, that this whole thing is your idea. That... Uh, 
that you not only left us with the message of the gospel, you left us with the community that that message creates. You called us not just to believe in Jesus, to be forgiven and made new. You called us to join the community of faith, to become part of this community who, who are not only looking back to our forgiveness in Christ, but also looking forward to our transformation into the image of Christ and into the joy of a community celebrating your grace and your glory. Lord, I pray that you would bless our elders and that you would raise up more. I pray, Lord, that you would um, bless their families, protect them, provide for them, um, uh, give them the kind of struggles, Lord, that will be sanctifying and purifying. Give them the kind of hearts, Lord, of continued humility that they might find joy and, um, and give us, each one of us, wisdom and discretion as we seek to lead in a way that honors you and, and leads this incredible community into the flourishing of life. I thank you for each one of them. I thank you for this body and the incredible thing you're doing in this community. And once again, I would ask, Lord, that if there are those that are with us um, who haven't believed in Christ, that spirit you would invite them to trust uh, in that finished work even this morning, that they also might be part of the flock of God. Lord, we thank you for all these things, and we pray for your outpoured blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.